Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the Book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we just thank you for its beauty and its truth. I just pray, Lord, as we read and study your verses, that you would speak to us through your spirit, that we would grab hold of the truth and that we'd apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Still in Romans 12, as we work through the book of Romans, we're going to continue to be in verses 3 through 8. And in those verses, Paul writes, For I say through the grace given to me, To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or in ministry, let us use it in ministry. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. And last week as we studied verse 3... I preached on this idea that we should think about our gifts with a sober attitude. That's what Paul says. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has given you a gift or gifts to exercise in His kingdom. And there's a number of reasons why we should approach our gift with a sober attitude. I mentioned one last week, and it's the fact that we're going to all stand and be judged on how we have utilized those gifts. Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He wrote, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. Now, when Paul wrote good or bad, what he's talking about is not good or sin. He's talking about us making the right choice. Every day we live our life, we make a choice. When you make a choice to read your Bible, you're making a choice not to do something else, correct? So as we live out our life and we have been given a gift to use in his kingdom, 
we make a choice whether we're going to use that gift or we're going to do something else. And of course, naturally with this idea, which isn't preached about a lot anymore, but this idea that you and I are going to sit in front of the judgment seat of Christ, not for our sins. That was paid for on the cross. We have the blood covering of Jesus Christ. We won't appear in the line of the lost in heaven. But we will appear before Christ and we will give an account on how we have exercised our gifts within the body of Christ. And when that thought, naturally, as I think about my life and you think about your life, that should create an attitude of seriousness about what we're doing with our life within the kingdom of God. There's another reason why we should think about our gifts with a sober assessment. Look at verse 4, back at our focal passage of Romans 12. Paul wrote, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us Let us use them. Now, as I read verse 4, I want us to hone in on a couple of key points. We don't have the same function. We're members to one another, and we're to use them. And that analogy that Paul uses is that we are in the body of Christ. In other words, we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his eyes. Another way that we could use this truth and another analogy is that we're a team. We're a team in his kingdom and we're a team in the churches that we attend and are members of. Let me ask you a question. If I had to compare Christianity in regards to your gifts, in regards to your gifts, If I had to compare it to golf or baseball, which is the better analogy? It's baseball. Because golf is an individual sport. Baseball is a team sport. It has to be baseball. In other words, your gift or gifts were given to you to be exercised within a team framework. Can you imagine watching a one-man team in a baseball game? No matter how good that player was. In fact, you you could be the best pitcher in the world. There's no way you're going to win. There's no way. It's only when Christians come together and are kingdom-minded and operate within that framework of being in the body of Christ, or in the modern-day analogy of working together as a team, do we have a fully functioning body. But that is not the modern view in today's church. Let me tell you what the modern view is. The modern view is is that the gifts that God has given us 
is limited to three categories. Three categories. You are either involved in preaching or teaching. So what I do up here or what we do in our Bible study classes on Sunday morning. Or you're in music. So preaching, teaching, music, and everybody else is a spectator. That's the modern view. And I mentioned last week that there is a reason why churches have become bloated in staff. That's a modern day occurrence. You go back 40, 50 years ago, churches didn't have hundreds of people on staff. That's crazy. The reason why churches have become bloated in staff is that the congregation has determined that they have lived in this model of pastor, teacher, music person, everybody else is a spectator. So therefore, for a church to have a fully functioning body, you have to go pay people to do things that were normally done by a healthy congregation exercising their spiritual gifts. I have a story of someone who was on a deacon body at a church and one of the members who was doing one function within the church that was spending a lot of time on that one function came to the deacon body and said, I would like to get paid. I would like to get paid for what I'm doing because I'm spending all of this time. And there's nothing wrong with normal staff people getting paid. That's not the point of my story. But what ended up happening is, is they looked at the amount of time that that person was spending and they said, all right, we'll agree to that. We'll pay you. But what happened after that in that particular church is then you had people that came out of the woodwork that were doing things that are just normal within the church body that said, we want to get paid too. We want to get paid too. You don't see that. In the theology of the church, it's when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ into His kingdom and we exercise those gifts. People have a wrong view of the church model and how it is supposed to operate within the kingdom. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14. Paul wrote this, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. But many. For if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, would there be hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather than those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. 
And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, are on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part to which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same cure for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We're all together. We're all together. Paul was fighting pride within the Corinth church where people were saying, and look at me. And unfortunately, what happens is when you really think about it, having the wrong view, the wrong view of the body of Christ either fosters pride or inadequacy. If you grew up in church, and I remember people saying this, and I think you can relate to this saying, well, I can't teach or I can't sing. You ever heard someone say that? I can't teach or I can't sing. They're feeling inadequate. But there's so much more. And it takes everybody exercising their gift. I told the story last week of a gentleman that I knew that grew up in a large church. And he was the greeter. Decade upon decade. He was the greeter. And I went to his funeral. And the church was packed. Absolutely packed. Because of the impact that he made on people's life because he was standing at the back door inviting people in and he met them and he encouraged them. There is so much more than preaching and teaching in music. It's just not limited to that. It's what we do with each other. We are to encourage and build one another up just as Paul wrote as I just read and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it and if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it we are together in his body regardless of whether we have a public role within the body of Christ when Kathy and I were a young married couple We went to a very large church. I taught Sunday school in that church. I had a public role. And there was this elderly lady in the church. She was always behind the scenes, exercising her gifts. Was it public? And she had a heart for the homeless. And Galveston has a lot of homeless people. And one day... Is good Baptists do? What do you do after church? You go to Luby's Cafeteria. And so, so, so Kathy and I were at Luby's Cafeteria. And we left. And there was that elderly lady. And she was out on the seawall. And she was, she was attending to the homeless. She always did that in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was her gift. Did anybody see that? No. She was behind the scenes. There are so many things that we can do. And if you think about this church specifically, 
There are things that you can do here in this church that you have to stand up. If people say, oh, don't ever ask me to stand up in front of the church and say anything. That would terrify me. That's fine. We're all wired differently, aren't we? We're all given a different gift. But are there things that you can do in this church and exercise your gifts? Absolutely. Not only with reaching the lost, people outside of these four walls, outside of this sanctuary, but there's things that you can do within the body of Christ to where we build one another up. You know, as you think about this verse, verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. You've ever heard somebody say, well, gee, wonder where so-and-so is. We should know. How do you know? You pick up the phone, you send an email, you ask, you encourage, you encourage attendance. You encourage by bearing one another's burdens. It's fulfilling the law of Christ, isn't it? That's what we are called to do and you have to have the appropriate view of what is going on within the body of Christ and how God uses us. So not only is it that we face judgment or evaluation in how we have utilized our gifts, but it's also working within the body of Christ. Lastly, another reason that we should have a sober assessment in how we use our gifts is faithfulness to the Master. Turn with me to Matthew 25. It is the parable of the talents. And when you think about the opening of that parable in verse 14 of the 25th chapter of Matthew, Christ said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, look, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You who were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. 
For everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, the first question that I have to answer here is, is that the person that was not profitable, is that person saved? And that answer is no. But what are we talking about here today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? We're talking about the other two. Because Christ tells us that if we abide in Him, we will produce fruit, right? We're abiding with the Father. We will produce fruit. So now we're just talking about amounts. We're talking about a faithfulness. And when you look at the parable, the point of the story is is that they took advantage of the opportunity. They took advantage of the opportunity. See, we've all been given opportunities to serve and opportunities to exercise our gifts. Now, the majority of this church, and I'm being generous, we can say that we're seasoned, right? (laughs) We're seasoned. And sometimes people say, oh, I'm too old. I'm too old. Let me tell you right now, that's the devil's lie. That's the devil's lie. Because what does the biblical model say about serving? The older folks are supposed to teach the younger folks, right? After all, we've got the experience. If you've been serving the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been dwelling in His Word, if you've been on the path of sanctification, you have the wisdom to impart to other people. Therefore, age is not an excuse It's not. We've been given a gift. And I have to say that the longer that we live and the more that we experience the culture in which we live in and live in a world that we knew that at one point was better, you're needed more than ever. You are needed more than ever in the society that we live in. And we can do all of the other things and all of the other diversions in our society, but I'm going to tell you there's only one thing that's lasting is, is that is exhorting and proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ with whatever gift God has equipped you with. Age isn't an excuse. Busyness is not an excuse. We're all busy. We're all busy. We all have households to keep. We all have families to interact with. We have jobs to do. It's a pet peeve of mine, if you haven't noticed. It drives me crazy regarding the work of the church when people say, I'm busy. I'm busy. Aren't we all? We're all busy. We all have things. But in regards to talent, the people that were profitable with the talents took advantage of the opportunity to produce fruit within the Lord's kingdom, of which, my friends, you will be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. Because after all, as I began my sermon, you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and you will receive a reward for the things that you have done in the kingdom. It is not going to go unnoticed. I've seen people get caught up with this Wrong thinking where, oh gee, you know, I have all this stuff to do, but I spent all that time at the church. God knows. God knows. 
God rewards. You're in God's kingdom. You're not in man's kingdom anymore. You're in God's kingdom. We're pilgrims. We're pilgrims sojourning in this life on the way to the Father's kingdom and its completeness. And he will acknowledge you for the work in which you have done in his kingdom. And when the church is operating with that type of mindset, the church is hitting on all cylinders. You know, we live in a society that I think we can all agree is, in my opinion, fastly falling apart. It's falling apart. I was at a cafe yesterday morning in another town. And I've kind of gotten used to who comes into this cafe. And you can't help but eavesdrop. And it could be a cafe in that town. It could be a cafe in this town. It could be a cafe in any city in America, especially in rural America, where there's a common conversation. Everybody sits down, drinks coffee, and everybody talks about how the world's falling apart. It's what we do. It would be akin to us all sitting down and saying that some person, that they have cancer, but they're not going to the doctor. We can talk about the cancer all day long. You can talk about societal decay all day long. But my friends, the remedy is the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead of going down to the cafe and talking about how bad things are, the appropriate thing to do would be work in his kingdom to where we reach out into our community and say, this is the answer to the problems of our society. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your wonderful truth. And I pray, Lord, that this church may come together and operate efficiently within the body. Not for our own credit, not for our own reward, but for your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that we'd evaluate our own life and say, what can I do in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone listening who doesn't know you this morning, that they might repent from their sins, that they may ask Christ into their heart and turn their life over to you and experience the forgiveness and joy that only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, milkcreekchurch.org.